This is Kate Up with Max Key. All right, three, two, one, and we're rolling. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another week of Keyed Up, brought to you by Max Key and hosted proudly by Stonewood Key. Now, today I have a very exciting guest on. She is a massive inspiration to a lot of people. Absolutely love her content. She's probably one of the happiest people I've ever seen online. And it's a pleasure to have you here. And Julie Mack, welcome. Hi, thank you so much for having me. That's all good. Thank you for, t- for um, taking the journey up yep. to the big smoke. Yeah, a lot of traffic this morning, but I'm excited to catch up. The traffic's been shocking lately, eh? Yeah, I'm just glad I don't have to do this trip uh, often. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. you were saying you were driving a manual up in your... Yeah, I feel like that's a leg workout in itself, so I didn't really get a rest day today. It's like this, like, quad <laughs> yeah. workout. Your left leg's going to be bigger <laughs> yeah. than your right. Yeah. Sweet. So obviously I want to get into all the, um, that kind of, the bodybuilding and stuff, but I thought a good place to start is kind of what was life like, you know, before all this. When oh. you were younger, like, talk, talk me through growing up. So you're from with what yeah, part of New Zealand? that's quite a good question because I've never actually spoken about, like, growing up yeah. uh, anywhere. So this will be new for people. So I'm half Thai, half English. My mom's, hey. Yeah, my mum's Thai, my dad's English. I was born in Taupo, but... Uh, bought up in Blenheim so small town Does girl it? no traffic lights no there traffic no, there. <laughs> no traffic at all so yeah I grew up there but my background was so different to what it is now like I played violin and piano for 10 plus years wow I went to university at Waikato which is uh, how I guess I got up into the Auckland scene and things I was yep. doing business management there majoring in accounting and alongside that performance violin wow yeah so very different to what I do now it was mainly stress relief that I went to the gym for because when I do something I go all in and yeah. I like put a lot of pressure on myself to do well so I was doing violin accounting never done accounting in my life yeah. before and I just really needed something to take my mind off to be honest study numbers and music you know with violin I've always wondered how like the concert violinists are insane you know like I, how do you keep up with the kind of they're just doing so much. I'm explaining this terribly, but they're so <laughs> intense. Like, how do you yeah. remember like all the... Uh, my memory is appalling. So I, yeah. whenever I do competitions and things, it, my hardest thing was remembering the pieces. But mm. I think with anything, it's like consistency time and time again, every single day. Like I yeah. would practice violin and piano for hours every day. I'd wake up at five. Even when I was in college, I'd wake up at five, do piano. I'd skip classes at school to practice violin I'd so my wagging school was like leaving to practice (laughs) such a badass I'm so cool Uh, but yeah it paid off for me like I ended up uh, you know doing all my top grades in music I got uh, scholarships at uni for different things and it just showed I guess the people that gave me the scholarships for uni that I can commit to something so violin piano taught me a lot even though it's not as much in my life now as it used to be back then it taught me time management it taught me discipline consistency uh the power of actually practicing something long term so I think I learned a lot from that and I'm grateful that I was pushed into music as a kid because now I apply it to everything else in life yeah that's awesome can you still like jump on and smack out a tune yeah so I've started recently now that I have a bit more time away from like I've we'll get into competing later but now I've got the year off I think competing so it's given me more time to be able to do things I'm passionate about outside of gym and so I've started doing piano and violin again yeah yeah have you found because I found this so I used to kind of like you very all or nothing person and there's a bunch of stuff you know I used to do when I was younger that I was so obsessed with like swimming for example used to swim like nine times a week like just prolifically obsessed with it and then hated it like didn't even want to look at a pool because 
but then now I like kind of miss it and I've like kind of slowly got back into it. And have you found that with your music? Uh, that's really cool. Yeah, I think sometimes if you do something all the time, it can either go two ways. Like they say, if you get paid and you get incentivized to do something that you love doing anyway, sometimes it can have the opposite effect. Mm. So Because it becomes a job. It eh? becomes more like a job. And so yeah. for violin and piano, I actually started a business when I was maybe like 13 or 14. Wow. Uh, I still haven't shared the name of it publicly anywhere because I still think it's a good idea and I might do it later, but it was a music business and yeah. I was performing at weddings. I performed oh, cool. at people's um, night before the weddings. I did some events. Did uh, you go on New Zealand's Got Talent? No, I never oh, did. You should I, think, I think like kids are very good. I feel yeah. as if I was not naturally talented. I don't feel like I'm naturally talented at anything. Like oh, I wasn't no. talented at violin and piano. I just worked really, really hard. And I feel my brother played violin and he was naturally just better than me at it. Was but it? I'm someone that like if I want something, I really go for it. So I practiced yeah. so much for violin, piano, and I ended up getting like top grades with top marks. Wow. And then I set a little challenge in my head against my brother. He yeah. had got his top grades, so I wanted to get in violin and piano, not just violin, so I did it. Just double beat him. Yeah, just, <laughs> yeah, <I love> that. <laughs> that, that sibling rivalry. But do you think like my dad doesn't have a musical bone in his body? Like, even if he practiced every day, I don't think he would be able to be a scholarship <laughs> pianist. I think it's like... Uh, a little bit of your surroundings and starting yeah. early. I think starting early definitely makes yeah. it easier to learn. Same with languages. But I think anyone can start anything at any age these days because there's so much out there. But I do think there are certain people that will be better at better, certain yeah. things than other people. Like, I mean, I wouldn't be a basketball player, you know, no yeah. matter how hard I tried. Like Basketball's the one sport, though. Like, I reckon there's a lot of sports in life where hard work gets you lots of places. Basketball, I genuinely reckon... If you're not over six two, yeah. it's like a genuine, genuine disadvantage. Yeah, I do think height plays a massive role for certain sports. And then yeah. there's certain things, like I read a lot of self-development books and there was one I was reading the other day, I think it was in Atomic Habits and they were talking about oh, how... Oh, that's such a good book. It's such a good book. It's yeah. like my third time reading Yeah, I saw you posted the other day, <laughs> like second time reading it. Yeah. Uh, so the idea behind something in there, he was saying he wanted to see if people could you know, learn a talent or whatever. And so he had his kids learn chess and they became uh-huh. like grand chess masters and stuff. But he homeschooled them. They lived and breathed chess. Him and his wife like pushed it on the kids the whole way through. And one of them, the daughters became like the youngest chess master in history. So I think like if you lived and breathed whatever it was that you wanted to do, you would have potential to do it. Mm. And I like that quote where it says like, uh, hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work because I do think that there's been times where there's definitely been people that are more talented than me in different areas of life but I've been able to push past that because I don't stop working. Awesome yeah and I definitely think when you know you have that work ethic where you just want it so badly when you get put in that situation where you know it comes down to the mental side of things when you know you've grinded your ass off for it you're probably going to push whereas if you've naturally just got there you know, it's probably easier to be like, oh, I can't be bothered. Or, yeah. or like, oh, God. You know, whereas those people that have just grinded. Yeah, I think that also comes from, like, upbringing too. And, I mean, we've spoken about this, like, off podcast and stuff. I think certain people respond in different ways. So, mm. for me personally, like, I don't come from a very well-off family whatsoever. Like, not at all. No one in my family. Uh, most of my family, like, my mum didn't go to school because she was from Thailand, got taken out of school at a young age. How did your parents meet? Uh, my dad was traveling around the world taking photos. And wow. this is the love story. I love a good love story. Yeah. 
He was in Thailand. He was taking photos everywhere um, on just a holiday or whatever. He took a photo of my mom and she turned around and tried to charge him for the photo because she was selling street food. <laughs> and so she tried to charge him and he ended up taking her out for lunch. Typical, like, romance story. Did he buy her food? Yeah, he took, he, oh, took her out for, <laughs> he took her out for lunch and then he flew her back to England and they got married and uh, they're split now, but they're good friends and... Yeah. yeah, crazy. So how... could she speak English? Or... Yeah, uh, a little bit. A little bit now yeah. she speaks English. It's like broken English, but she didn't get to go to school. And so a big reason why I went to uni is she was so fixated on us getting the proper education because yeah. she didn't. Uh, but then that means that obviously my parents didn't have a lot of money. So I know what it's like to work crazy different jobs when I'm younger. And that that's why I'm so like specific now about working hard and everything they do and doing yeah. well at it because I got that work ethic from my parents whereas other people like if you're sometimes given everything I feel like you don't have an understanding of what it's like to work for something totally but then of course there's flip sides like there's other people that come from nothing and they use that as a reason not to be successful or the flip side people that come from really well off families that grind really hard anyway yeah everyone's different well it's all outlook and I think what you said about you know your parents teaching you that I think that's so true but then as yeah flip side as well there are people with terrible upbringings but I definitely do think there's a pretty high correlation between, you know, the values your parents instill in you, whatever class you're from. Because my parents were the same. I obviously, you know, my, my dad was successful in business, but he was raised by an Austrian Jew who was in like the Holocaust and yeah, like really, really tough upbringing. And so she, all she used to like hit on him was you got to work hard, you got to work hard, like hard work beats everything and you got to get an education, you got to learn. And so, you know, he in, instilled all those values into me. And so, you know, me and dad grew up completely different. But those values, I think, you know, there'd be pretty high similarities between what she told him and what he told me. Yeah, definitely. And I think, like, parents, at the end of the day, they can teach us the values that they want us to have and things. But it's also going to be the surroundings that you put yourself in. Like, you could have the best parents that are taking care of you financially or teaching you how they want you to be. But if you go to a school and you get caught up in the wrong crowds, like, who you surround yourself with matters. So... Me being in Blenheim, a very yeah, what small school did you go to? Marlborough, there's only one school. Is there only like, one school? Yeah. I've never been to Blenheim. I don't even know where Blenheim is. Yeah, yeah, it's like top of the South Island, very small. I think at the time there was 30,000 people. There was only one boys' high school, one girls' oh. high school. It was completely, completely different to what I've seen schools are like up in Auckland. Yeah. And it was like $200 a year. It wasn't a private school. When I went yeah. to uni, I met girls that were paying thousands for their schools. But we ended up in the same place. Same like we place, were in the yeah. same university halls, same uni. I had scholarships. Like we were no different yeah. uh, based on that. So I think you can come from different areas of life when you start up, but still end up in the same place as other people. What were you like at school? <sighs> I actually, this is so lame. I was reading out to my husband a section from my diary. I've kept a journal since I was like 12. Did you? That's yeah, so, it's so weird. So I can go back and see what I was actually like from when I was 12 years old. I'd literally write every day all through uni, like how I was feeling and what I was thinking. And there was one section I read and it was like, oh, I'm going to set my exams at the end of the year. And I think I'll go for merit, but maybe I'll get distinction. I'm not sure. <laughs> and I was, I would say that, to be honest, I was quite like what people would say, I guess, geeky in that I love learning. I loved music. I'd choose any day to practice music instead of going and like gossiping in the lunchrooms kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. That was more my passion. And I just always wanted to be good at what I was doing. But 
in saying that, like, I was in the groups of people that I guess, like, the girls or all, all their parents had money. They were all, like, into brands and things. So I was around that group, but I was just so focused on what I was doing. I didn't have time to sit around and get caught up in anything. So then when it came to university, instead of going to... Uh, Wellington or Dunedin which is where pretty much everyone went to from Blenheim I thought you know what I'm going to go up north I'll go somewhere brand new yeah how'd you end up in Waikato I mainly it was for violin like the professor was so good I wanted to go to her and then I think I got like four or five scholarships in business for it so that was very tempting the scholarships were great and I just wanted a clean site so I knew no one I didn't know anyone up here I yeah, I just want a fresh fresh start, and I recreated my whole self. Like I changed my name, <laughs> I just started. Well, you, like literally yeah, changing it. Yeah, well, my full name is and Julie Victoria Devereux Mac, but that is a mouthful. Uh, yeah, it's a very big mouthful. <laughs> but no one knew me as and Julie. Everyone yeah. called me Vicky for years. But I started oh. social media, wanted to change my name so no one could find me on social media and just yeah. start sharing my journey on Instagram. But that's like kind of a whole new story. But yeah, I just wanted a whole fresh start. And I got that at uni, and I, yeah, I loved the way things worked out. Yeah, no, you, you've done bloody well. So that, I guess that's the perfect intro into, you've had this crazy journey from, you know, your before and after photos and just even mentally the person that looks like you were to who you are now. That's a massive change. Like how, obviously that didn't happen overnight, but what, what kick-started that? How do you go from someone that, you know, it wasn't like you were massively overweight or anything, but you didn't look like you cared about fitness or... You know, and then now, you know, you're literally winning the WBFF. Yeah, part. it's uh, it's definitely interesting because, like, even when people see the before photos of me, I was actually, it's kind of embarrassing, but I guess a lot of women will relate to this. I was actually already training before that. Oh, yeah, yeah. So I was weight training when I was in high school a little bit, but I had, at towards the end of high school, um, like 18, I had no idea what I was doing. I'd yeah. go to the gym and I'd put on a song and then I'd do the exercise for as long as the song would go. <laughs> like, no idea what I was doing. No, uh, no idea of nutrition. Like, my parents would often let me cook for myself and it would be like ketchup on rice. Yeah. Um, coming from a Thai family, there's always like rice, rice in the house. Yeah. So it's just ketchup and rice, chicken nuggets. D- had no idea about nutrition. Chicken nuggets aren't very <laughs> Thai. Nuggets. No, whatever's in the freezer. My mum. I'm into Bangkok. They don't nuggets. do chicken nuggets, but she does a good pad thai. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. So anyway, I had no idea about nutrition and training, and then I got to uni. I started going to the gym. There were no women in the gym when I was 18 or 19. It was all men, and a lot of them were, like, quite quite the bigger boys at uni. Yeah, it's real bro culture. Yeah, very bro culture. Uh, See, how – because even – like, when I started so gymming, different. I was, like, 67 kilos. I was tiny. Oh, that's, like, my almost max weight. <laughs> yeah, like, I, I'm 32 – 31 kilos heavier now than I was then. And, see, I hated it. I used to go there, and I was, like, the scrawny little dude. But, like – it's intimidating, you know, when you're around these, like, big dudes. Yeah. How did you find it as a girl going into that setting, especially if, you know, you didn't really understand how to train? and Or were you just so naive to it all that you were just like, oh, like, this is cool? Oh, I'm pretty confident. Like, even before I lost fat and stuff, I'm pretty confident in what I want to do. So if I yeah. want to do something, like, I'm fine and tuning everyone else out. So I just put headphones on and go in. But I'm also a really friendly person. So after a matter of time of seeing people consistently every day, I'd give them a smile, I'd say hello. And I became friends with, like, all the gym guys. So they started training with me because I was pretty strong. Like, I was eating whatever I wanted at uni. Yeah. And so I did get strong very quickly. And I trained with 
the guys, but it was very much bro like bro school diets, like yeah. chicken, broccoli, veg. Some of the guys were on steroids. Like it was just a whole new world to me. Yeah, that culture's crazy, right? Very different. And they're uni students, you know, so yeah. it's not as if like we all had a lot of money. So I don't know how they were getting all their money to spend on that kind of stuff. But anyway, we train chest, we train deads, we train bench, and that's, uh, sorry, uh, deads, bench, and squats, squats with the three <laughs> mains and that's all we do that's pretty much all I do <laughs> <laughs> and they tell me to like oh stop doing cardio to eat more and they're telling yeah. me all this stuff so I'm working really hard with the boys and then I'm uh, eating lots of food and I was like gaining weight because I was also sometimes drinking at uni and going yeah. out to party o week and all of that so I was gaining weight and I actually never started the gym to change how I looked like I never even growing up I never even contemplated how I look like it just wasn't a thing to focus on now I feel like people hyper focus on yeah how it's they like look. everyone's so obsessed with it. yeah because of social media but back then it wasn't a super big thing but I started Instagram to share my journey of getting stronger in the gym I was getting really really strong like I was stronger back then than I am now yeah. but then one day just some news got back to me about some girls talking about me and they had said something nasty about how why does she go to the gym she doesn't even look any different. And I didn't start going oh. to the gym to change how I looked. But me being like 19 or so, that's quite not a nice thing to say about no. someone. So that flicked in my mind like, oh, yeah, well, why do I go to the gym all the time if I'm not changing how I look? Not that I started it for that. So then I started Googling how to lose weight, how to get abs, what do models eat, everything you can imagine. And I tried everything. I jumped from keto diet to um, eating only spinach, egg whites, broccoli very boring oh. clean eating then yeah. i fall into the cheat meal trap of overeating all weekend to start again on monday and i had no consistency with nutrition i was so unhappy it was only when i got to a place where i thought like this is super unhealthy what i'm doing like overeating under eating over training like i go to the gym twice a day some days at uni i run around the park in my study breaks it was just so obsessive mm. they reached out to get help from a nutritionist and then learned more about nutrition and then yeah. thankfully like took control of what I was doing and took back the weight training and got proper structure around it. And then from that, I managed to get myself into situations where I could go to the fitness expos to be surrounded by fitness people that knew what they were doing yeah. to meet other women that were lifting over in Australia instead of being surrounded by these guys that didn't know what was right for me. Yeah. And that <clears> kind <throat> of changed things for me and it was getting into the fitness expos that I then saw what these other women looked like and thought, oh, like, I want to do that. And that's how I kind of fell down a competing path. Do you think, are a lot of those women on steroids? So this is interesting too, because when I was younger and I was in the gym, like at uni, I looked at competitors and I just instantly thought, oh, these people look like this because they take steroids. steroids yeah. And that was the first thing I thought. And I thought, oh, I could never compete because I don't do that. And I thought they looked so muscly because they took something. And I'm sure that is the case for a lot of people. Mm. But I didn't want to do that, obviously. Yeah. And then, thank goodness, I invested time in actually understanding nutrition, put in the time to train. I met Ross, my now husband, in the gym. And he knew a lot. He did sports science down in Dunedin. So yep. he taught me a lot about nutrition too. I started tracking my calories, tracking my macros, got a coach, decided to compete. And I realized like, oh, you can transform without needing yeah. to take anything extra. So my first comp, I just did it to see if I liked it. Mm -hmm. I hated the whole prep. It was 16 weeks of following the exact same plan pretty much, just 
taking down the food. It was very no flexible dieting. It was all chicken, broccoli, oats. Horrible time. Yeah, because that I I did like a shoot in like 2016 for Remix, yeah. and that's the only time I've done like a a prep. It was probably nothing as intense as yours, but man, I didn't even want to look at a chicken. <laughs> I was so a, sick of it. Like it gets like that. It's not a fun time. But how do you how do you have that willpower to? I don't know. Like I I used to train with this guy, and he used to say, "I don't even care about food. Food to me is literally just how I look good." Like, he had this relationship with food where it wasn't about taste or anything. It was literally, like, X plus Y equals Z, so that's how I do it. I am not one of those people, and I don't understand the people yeah. that are like, oh, food is just fuel, or um, I forgot to eat today. I'm like, what? <laughs> what is this? So I'm not one of those people, but that prep made me realize, like, I can't do that. I can't eat the same thing every day for the rest of my life. No. And I thought I'd never do another one. I stepped on stage and the moment I felt the lights on me, I just loved it. Oh, you did? I was, yeah, I just knew I wasn't, because I love performing. I love yeah. violin, piano. So I just loved that feeling and I thought, oh no, I'm hooked on it. But after that, I gained all the weight back and more because no one wants to eat chicken, broccoli, rice forever. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I missed my chicken nuggets. Uh, so good, good healthy time. <laughs> yeah, like good time meals. But anyway, so like when you eat that restricted like you would have for that, yeah. it, you can't stick to it. So that's why so many people fail when it comes to diets and nutrition and stuff because they go so restricted that they can't see themselves doing it for the rest of their life and then they fall off track straight away either before they achieve their goal or as mm. soon as they achieve their goal, they go the polar opposite way. Yeah, because you see that a lot. Like, a lot. So that, that was actually going to be one of my questions for you is how do you mentally deal with – I mean, you're, what I find tough is, okay, say in business, like if I have a bad year, it's pretty easy to like hide it or, you know, you never really <laughs> publicly show that kind of stuff. So it's very easy for me – you know, people might come up to me and go, oh, you're having a great year and I'm having a terrible year, but no one knows. Yeah, I feel that. With – what you do, if you put on weight or you lose your abs, it's pretty obvious that, you know, you're not in, like, peak shape. So how do you mentally deal with, you know, that pressure? Because no one can look good all the time. That's so hard. Yeah. Mentally and physically. Like, after my first show, it got to the point where I was honestly crying every day. And I'm a happy person. Yeah, like you said, so you know, I'm very positive. I believe in, like, taking care of myself. I always want to bring good energy for other people and support them. But it got to the point where after my comp, I could not maintain it. And it was the first time I'd ever shredded down, too. And How much weight do you lose in a shred, just for perspective? For that one, I think... I did actually need to lose lots because I didn't get super lean for it. It was my first shot. I had no idea really what I was doing. Yeah. But I think I lost maybe six kilos and I gained eight back. Wow. And that's a lot on me. Like it feels as if, if I gained eight kilos from where I am now, people would be like, oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> calm down. <laughs> uh, so for me losing that, going from being the leanest I'd been at that point in my life, I've been far leaner now. It was hard to gain eight kilos back from mm. that, and I was just crying every day. I was struggling to control my eating. I was. It was. What bit, were you crying? Like what was like, making? I just felt so unhappy. Like how uh. can you go from being in the peak of your life to condition-wise to feeling so out of control, mm. not being able to control your eating? I work from home, and I'd just be eating all the time. I felt like an absolute like fraud, you know, helping people. Yeah. I wasn't a coach at that time, but I was still working in the fitness industry for a supplement brand 
online from home. And so I'm helping these other people achieve their goals, but I was so out of control. So I didn't, like my actions weren't aligning to where I wanted to be. I felt like I was posting these photos online from comp and I didn't even look like that because obviously social media is not real life. And I just felt like I really let myself down. So it got to a point where one day I woke up and I thought I really can't keep doing this to myself. And it was literally just a snap moment in my head where I said to Ross, like, I need you to take these photos for me. I was so embarrassed. He put in a bikini. I took these photos with a little day one sign I wrote myself, took these photos, and I was smiling because I was like, I'm never doing this to myself again. Mm. And that, like, I literally just got a coach, nutrition training for accountability. It was my birthday, I think, 10 weeks' time or so away, and I planned, okay, I'm going to do a photo shoot no matter how I look. I'm going to start taking actions to change my life. And I did it. I think I dropped five kilos. I felt much better. I did my first ever and last ever, most likely, like, lingerie shoot with balloons, like, typical (laughs) Instagram life. Did it. I felt so good. It's not that I was the leanest I'd ever been, but it was the action that built the confidence in that, I decided, okay, I'm not going to keep overeating every single day. I'm not going to feel this way anymore. So I started eating better. I started, you know, working out more consistently again. And I just took charge of myself and I felt so much better for it. What would what would you say to someone? Because I, I've never been someone that struggled like with my weight or, you know, with motivation. But I found after lockdown, it was weird. It was like the first time in my life where I was like dragging myself to the gym and I like visibly had put on weight and... Yeah. And so what, what would you say? I, but, you know, I still kind of found that way to like get myself back. But, you know, there's lots of people that, that struggle with that. So what, what would you say to someone where, because you, obviously when you're at your worst or where, you know, if you're feeling like crap, you know, in the present moment, it feels like a mountain you have to climb. And, you know, mm-hmm. they see people like you with like these six pack abs and all smiley and happy. Mm-hmm. And they're like, God, I'm so far from that. But, you know, Rome wasn't built in a day. So how would you what would you say to people listening now that aren't happy with where they're at, but, you know, it feels too big of a hill to climb? What, like, how would you even start the process? Yeah, good question. So I think, first of all, it's to know, especially if someone's come out of lockdown and that's why they're feeling that way, whether they were fit before or not, is that so many people are in that position. And like, mm. I had so many people coming to me after lockdown saying they gained 30, 40, 50 pounds in America and things. And it's, it's hard. Easy to do in America. It is. Yeah, there's, the portions the are very so big and the food is like so, yeah, the meals are twice the size of yeah. here in New Zealand. So, you know what, it does happen. But I think, you know what, in life, you're always going to go through different phases of motivation or not or gaining weight, losing weight. And yeah. I think the most important thing is to acknowledge where you are right now and realize like what needs to be done in order to achieve the goal. So if someone's looking at themselves every single day in the mirror and they feel so unhappy, so unconfident, they're lacking in energy, they're not sleeping properly, they're feeling really stressed all the time, like you could either live your life staying like that for the rest of your life or you could decide, you know what, I actually don't want to feel like this every day. What can I do today to make myself feel a little bit better? And it might mean like, okay, I'm going to have a better night's sleep tonight. I'm going to turn my phone off at seven o'clock and read a book before I go to bed. It might mean that maybe you're drinking like five coffees a day. Okay, I'm going to have two coffees a day and drink more water. Mm -hmm. Carry your water bottle with you. Maybe you go for a walk in your lunch break instead of going out for lunch with your colleagues. Like, I think it's the accumulation of small habits every single day that will make the biggest difference. And from day to day, it might not seem like a big thing, but I like kind of thinking of it. If you don't brush your teeth 
for a day, maybe no one will notice. If you don't brush your teeth for two days, it doesn't make a big difference probably. <laughs> but if you do that for a year, you know, it's gonna make a big difference. So the same thing applies with walking more, drinking more water, you know, being more mindful with your nutrition. Just notice the small habits that you can change. And the best thing I ever did on my fitness journey, and I've said this well before I became a coach, is to get a coach like yeah. investing in a coach whether you're wanting to do a business and you get a business mentor or you want to lose fat or build muscle or you play a sport and you get a coach for that you're investing in yourself i don't see it as an expense you're investing in making yourself better it's like i have no issue in buying a book because it makes me smarter or it makes me better and that i see as an investment in myself not an expense so if you're someone that has no idea where to start on your fitness journey or a business journey like invest in getting a coach that can give you the plan to help you save three years of trying everything like I did like I mm. literally wasted three years trying anything and everything and I got no results then in 90 days with a coach like I got results I competed in 100 days from deciding that I wanted to compete for my first show to competing and stepping on stage it was 100 days 100 days mm. so you wow. can transform yeah what like, what's like a realistic you know, because whenever I'm looking a bit dusty, I'm like, oh, yeah, give me two weeks. And, <laughs> you know, two weeks, you look no different. I just need one week. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I would say, I always say for people that want to work with me, three months is a good time to build habits mm -hmm. and transform. Because I would say, to be honest, most people take like a month to just get a good base of understanding of nutrition and training yeah. and getting steps, getting water and getting sleep on point. And then they've got eight weeks of solid consistency. You can get great results in that time. Like I've had women lose 20 plus pounds in 90 days. But I would also say looking further than that past a fat loss goal is solidifying the habits that you've built. So no one wants to hear it, but I would say three to six months working with a coach. I say three months of fat loss, three months of getting to a place where you can reverse diet and then maintain the weight that you've lost. For someone that wants to just get shredded, if you're like, you know what, I really want to tighten up. Like I've done eight week challenges for my girls and I've said, right, if you really want to nail this in eight weeks time, you can do it and they've gone shredded by following everything but we're talking like ten thousand steps a day three liters of water a day um weight training five to six times a week nutrition on point weighing all their food tracking all their food and no one wants to hear you know it's going to take time to get yeah. results they everyone want wants things now eh? yeah they want it right now and they want a really quick fix they want to get fit for their holiday in two weeks time or they want to get ready for the <laughs> wedding in You're three the months for yeah, the 15th of december yeah. <laughs> Like, whatever someone's goal is, the right time to start was always yesterday and the second best time is always today. Like, you know, where you are right now is because of the decisions you've made for, like, months or weeks, months or years prior. So you can't yeah. really expect to transform overnight or in two weeks or three weeks. But you can expect to notice changes in terms of energy levels, how you feel, um, how good your sleep is, and even just mentally by choosing to drink more water, to eat better, to move your body, I feel like it has such a good impact mentally and physically. Oh, yeah. Especially after lockdowns and stuff. You know, everyone mentally, I think, was so drained after Yeah, that. I felt more tired sitting on my couch doing nothing. Like, one day, this is horrific, my step count was like 82. Oh, God! <laughs> like, like literally, I know. Horrible. I'm like so ADD as well so for me it was like I walked to the couch that stresses me out I know it it's was disgusting so, no, no judgment but judgment no it was and, but I just got to a point I was so over it like everything in my life I enjoyed got taken away from it yeah I feel 
2019 before lockdowns was until last year was the best year of my life like I would say so many good things happened like I fit with and Julie was going really well we got engaged I competed twice I did like pretty well in those shows in Australia we traveled around the world like some of the best trips I've had and then we went into lockdowns and I felt like everything was taken away from me and we were in a one-bedroom apartment in Auckland it was so small that we couldn't wake up and train at the same time we hardly had any equipment so Ross would wake up I honestly got to the point where I thought I'll just sleep in my sleep in would be like 5 a.m or 6 you know but still a sleep in for me Um, yeah how do you always get up so like honestly sometimes watching your stories makes me depressed like I'll be like getting up it's like 7 30 you've like oh my god been to the gym you've had breakfast you've made 10 calls and I'm like god I'm still in bed yeah that's funny I think everyone has different lifestyles like you and I probably sleep the same amount of time but you probably go to bed later yeah so I think people would think oh you know if you're waking up you're like oh you must not sleep but no I'm in bed by like eight-ish and I wake up at 4 30 and that's just what works for me I know that I can get my workout and no one's going to bother me I get everything I want done and I don't function well at night like I'd rather sleep and I've never been someone to function well at night like I would sometimes at uni be coming home from town at 3 a.m while there was another guy in the floor above that would study until 3 a.m because that's his peak time whereas I'd rather wake up at 3 a.m to study so at uni I would wake up at like 3 30 I'd bike to the practice rooms I'd do violin piano go to the gym be showered had breakfast and stuff by 8 a.m for class and that works well for me whereas other people would rather sleep until 7 30 and go to bed later so yeah it's funny me and my sister are like complete like I'm like you I go to bed pretty early as well and get up I try to and she is like the complete opposite and when we were younger and we had to share a room there was this quite funny story we were in Italy one time on like a family trip and I'm like Steffi I'm going to bed and she's like nah I'm reading and so there was this light at the other end of the room and we're like lying next to each other in these two single beds so I'd walk over switch it off go back to bed then like I'd get into bed she'd get up and then she'd walk over like switch it back up and this went on for like 45 minutes. Oh my god. And we ended up just like screaming. Oh my brother, oh. sisters, are terrible. Oh, just never gets better. You'd think as well, that was when we were like 24 oh. and 27. I was thinking like, oh yeah, 10, 10 and 8 nah. or something. Like, oh wow. Nah. So, yeah. But she's the same. Like, she just loves being up to like 3, 4 a.m. Oh I can think of nothing worse. Yeah, me neither. Like, now I'm at the point where if it's like a dinner, can we have it at 5 30? Yeah. Like, can we catch up like early? That's so funny. Brothers and sisters, it's interesting because you've been raised the same way but my brother and I are polar opposites with so many things with money with music with what we wanted to study at uni with what times we wake up mm. like he's definitely a night owl and would sleep until like I don't know 10 or 11 that stresses like, me out st- that stresses me out just saying it yeah like half your day is gone I feel bad if I have to like my coach was telling me and lead up to my last show like to help with fat loss and just hormones and stuff to sleep until I think she said oh, I'll try and sleep until like 5 or 5 30 maybe even 6 if you can Okay. Yeah, like, <laughs> and I did. I, I needed to because I was so hungry and tired towards my last show that I, I really did try and sleep until like 5.30 and some morning 6. But otherwise, like I just love my routine and I have a very set... I wake up at this time, I go to sleep at this time and it helps having you know, a husband that's also wired the same way. Because if yeah. anything, like if I want to sleep in, he's the one waking up at 4.30 like to the yeah. dot. 
and if anything it's like more annoying than good but um, I think everyone's just different and it does make a difference as to where you live in the world in terms of whether it's bright or not in the morning like we wake up in pitch black yeah because I, I was in the Gold Coast a couple of years ago and it's oh, sick so like good. you get up at four it's like light everyone's walking you're like oh, it's a whole different lifestyle Australia like yeah. uh, and Gold Coast I think doesn't have they don't have daylight saving, I think. So it's like 3 a.m., I think. I it know. Can be light. I love it. Because I, I got home saving. and I was like, I'm on this fitness thing. I'm going to get up. And I gave it like four and it was cold like cold and dark. And dark. I'm, <laughs> yeah. I'm going straight back to bed. It's all way, it's definitely way harder in the winter and the darker seasons and things. Oh, yeah. But no. I think there's so many ways to wake up earlier, like go to bed earlier, have a really good wind down routine, don't have caffeine after midday. Make sure that your alarm is on the other side of the room if you want to, if you're someone that hits snooze. And I just don't even think about, like, like I roll out of bed and I'm up and going. Like I'm, if anything, but one of those sickly annoying people that's like high energy oh, at four thirty in the morning. Yeah, that's what my I sister thinks of me. She's like, "How are you like this?" Yeah, I feel. Like, yeah, I just. Yeah, I'm like way too full on in the morning, but. Yeah, I don't know. It's just what works for me. And I think people have to find what works for them. Like if someone wakes up every morning at 7.30 and they know they've got to be out the door at 8 and they're constantly living this um, stressed and rushed lifestyle, like how are you going to have a good start to the day? What if you get stuck in traffic like we did mm. today and then you've started the day off really negative because you're hating the traffic, you're in, you're running late, you're stressed, you get to the office like all sweaty and gross. No one wants to like live their life constantly rushing like that. Like today was a big enough rush for me and we woke up at 4.30 and left at 5. How do you deal though? Because obviously in life, you know, no matter how much you plan things, things go wrong. How do you deal with like failure and not that getting stuck in traffic is failure, but you know, things I like that. I have failures, definitely. Yeah. How, how have you dealt with them? Uh, I think in the past, I was not as good as at handling quote mark failure as I am now because I saw everything as a failure. Like if something mm. didn't go the way that I planned for it to go, I would think that was the end of the world. But now, thankfully, I've learned like, you know, a failure, whatever that looks like to you, is just another lesson learned. So I really try and take away from the quote mark failures that I have by learning from it. So a few <laughs> examples. I don't think I've ever said this anywhere because I was so embarrassed, but now I don't really care. So I had never felt anything at uni. Like I was, I studied really hard. I worked really hard, even though I'd never done accounting before. And the last paper that I had in my final semester was the hardest paper and it had like a 90% fail rate something ridiculous wow. and you need it to do a <clears throat> chartered accountancy and yep. I didn't want to do accounting anyway <laughs> I decided but yeah I studied really hard for it. I worked so so hard and I was determined to not be a statistic of a failure and I went into it and I just <laughs> knew it was not what I wanted and I got my results back and it's like even I don't even like saying it out loud because I still feel like a failure that happened but I didn't pass it yeah gross to say that publicly online but anyway I didn't it happens do you know what my dad says about papers like that what they're just two-year papers oh yeah what because he failed like a few oh, yeah. at uni and he's, oh. like, he's like ah yeah that's oh, the thing he was like a C student oh yeah see and yeah. I think like you know he's obviously done well for himself and I think that at the end of the day like uni is not for everyone and no. I was not the best even in school. Like, I was great at speeches. I could do English naturally fine. I'm definitely a freak for maths. I love numbers. I love money. But when I was in school, like, my English teacher, I remember she said, oh, you know, I was talking too much in class, typical. She said, if you don't want to be here, you can go and play your stupid violin. 
Oh. But my tongue, she said. Did you get your little violin oh, yeah, out? Yeah, honestly, because I, I would wag her class all the time to go practice violin, and my music teacher would just write me notes for it and yeah. excuse me, but I bit my tongue not to say anything to that. And I just don't think that school is necessarily for everyone, no. and that university is definitely not for everyone. Like, I went to uni because I thought doing accounting would make me a lot of money, and money would make me happy, and that's why I did accounting and now I don't do accounting I pay for an accountant because I don't want to do it it. like and I get people love that but it's not for me so when it comes to failure I thought well to be honest I didn't want to do that anyway so that wasn't a biggie but there's been times in life where I definitely have failed to an extent in which I would definitely class a failure like I had second and third in Australia competing and the year that I went from second was my second show after I gained all that weight and lost it again. So I was amazed at that. And I thought mm. they must like me so I can do this. So then I went for my next show the year after. So a whole year later and I got third. The girl that won turned up and was absolutely phenomenal. No one could beat her. She then went on to win against all the top people in Australia. What makes someone like, honestly, because I see everyone on stage and I, I, as like a layman, I can't mm. differentiate them. Like what makes someone, you know, when you say she was like, Oh, she's pretty insane. But yeah, so the difference, I guess what I compete in WBFF. What does that stand for? Yeah, it stands for World Beauty, Fitness and Fashion. So the fitness and fashion side is it's not just someone that steps on stage and they look really muscly and you're like, oh, she's got the biggest muscles, she's going to win. What I compete in is really like a beauty pageant with Uh fitness. So it's about your hair, your makeup, your overall look, and 40% of the mark is on marketability. So Uh do they think you You could be... Yeah, you can sell, you could be on a magazine cover. That's kind of like the idea, which is why I love it because... It's not just about who has the biggest muscles. It's like the whole package, yeah, they say. Yeah. So she stepped on stage. She won another federation the week before, turned up, won this. Once you win and you go pro, you can compete against other pros that have won their classes. So what – sorry, so as an amateur, what's the difference? Yeah, so as an amateur, you compete against everyone else. That's like an amateur. Oh. And if you look good enough in the eyes of what the judges think – they can give you what's known as a pro card. And that's like a status of you are good. We see that you've got potential. You get to compete with the best of the best. So it's something that a lot of people that compete strive for. Like you want that pro card. And so is that the tournament you won? Is it a tournament? Yeah, uh, competition. Competition. Yeah. yeah. So that one, it was in Atlantic City? Yeah, in Atlantic City, America. So just to put things into perspective of how hard it is to get a pro card in my first ever show there was 60 girls on stage we were on stage for so long the girl that came first didn't get a pro card she bet 59 other girls in a lineup on stage like that's a lot of people that's the biggest class there's ever been um then my second show i came second place i was on cloud nine i couldn't even imagine getting top three but i got second place the girl that got first looked amazing deserved it she didn't get a pro card so, so is it kind of one of those things where you could win and you might get one and at any moment you could get one, but you don't know? Yeah, so they oh. can choose. I'm not sure if there's another – I don't think there's any sport that, like, has that situation because yeah. in a lot of sports it's like tennis. You either win or you don't win. Yeah. But in this it's like you could win and but, still not get that pro card, which uh, means you're still competing with amateurs uh, until the judge decides, like – or the judging panel because there could be, like, six to eight judges. What they, if they just don't like you? What if they, like, saw your Instagram and they just thought you sucked? So, <laughs> but like you were like, you ticked yeah. all the boxes, but they're just like, ah, oh, she's painful. Yeah. So I think the cool thing about what I compete in WBFF is they're very big on 
um, awarding people that deserve it based on who shows up on the day the best. So I love that I came second in my second show because, yes, I came second and I was stoked with that, but I had maybe 30,000 followers at the time and the girl that won had maybe 1,500 or 2,000. So obviously it wasn't based on following, which I love because it shows yeah. that when I, I knew that when I finally would get there, people couldn't be like, oh, it's because she has a following, which yeah. I love for myself. Um, but then also it kind of... Like I don't get caught up in po- politics. Like I hear about the politics. Yeah, because you hear a lot about it. People talk a lot about the politics of this and that. But the way I see anything in life is that you can only control the controllables. So mm-hmm. I can only control what I do and lead up to a show and how I look on stage and what I present on that stage. And there's so many judges in WBFF. I honestly think there's six to eight. So you've got a variety of different ones. And they don't usually, like in Australia, some of the judges don't have social media. They try uh, and make it like none of the judges are coaches to anyone on stage. Yeah. yeah. So they keep it that way. And that's what I like. Like, I don't want to go into something thinking I'm already at a disadvantage because mentally that's going to take it out of you. Like if yeah. you go into any kind of a sports competition and you already have this preconceived idea that you're not going to do well because of whatever other reason like you're not going to give it your all because you're like subconsciously thinking you don't deserve it or Mm. someone else is going to win um same with going into an exam where you know 90 percent of people are failing i just was determined to try and block that out out, but i i don't think i could like i think when i was studying i thought like oh what's the point see one question i've always had and i've never actually interviewed someone in the industry so how okay say like if i was playing a golf tournament and i lose I kind of sit there and go, well, I just suck at golf, like, whatever. But, like, in your industry, say you lose, not only are you dealing with the fact that you've lost because that sucks, but also it's, like, fully judged on your appearance. Does that is that... That's interesting, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, does that add, like, another dimension to it where you're like, oh, God, like... Yeah, I think... Uh, it's funny because I can get so sidetracked and that takes me back to the failure thing, but I'll go back to that in a minute. So I think the way I see it is when I step on stage, the only person I care about is me and how mm. I look. And I make sure that when I step on stage, I don't look like I did the time before. Every time I look different, uh, whether it's from the bikini to the hair to the makeup to my overall stage present. So it is really you versus you. And I say this to my girls and to anyone else, whether they're in business or fitness or sports, sports is different because it's team teams versing each other but it really has to be it's kind of a team you've still got like yeah I mean like I feel like I'm doing it for like I do have a a lot of people that I need to do well for but it is only me that can do the posing only me that can do the workouts only me that can put the right foods into my body so it's me versus me and that I can't control who turns up on the day like who Mm. knew in my third competition this girl was going to come in out of nowhere after she just won another competition in another federation and come in and win. And not only did she win that, she went on to a pro show a few months later and won that against all the pros that had been doing it for years. So that kind of shows that I was lucky just to be in top three in that situation. But um, I think that when it comes to any kind of competition or any kind of business journey, like if you're always looking what other people are doing, you're not focused on what you're doing. So I really try and focus on myself. And at the end of the day, like it is a competition. It's kind of a weird concept to put yourself on a stage in front of people that are judging you based on how you look. Like really, if we look at this from an outsider's perspective, it's nothing what I am for. Like Mm. I don't believe in judging people on their appearance. And it's kind of weird to line people up and look at them and judge them based on how they look. It doesn't really, I toss up sometimes how I feel about this because I don't think it aligns with 
how I feel about how people should view themselves and mm. what's right and wrong in terms of I don't think anyone has the right to judge someone else's body. But in saying that, like I step on that stage to challenge myself to be better each time. So when I step on the stage, I don't look at anyone else and think, man, I look better than them or they look better than me. It's like, oh, sweet. We all worked really hard. We all look great. Cool. Let's have some fun. And so, yeah. At what, at what point do you think, because this is another thing I've always found interesting in the fitness world is there's a lot of guys I know that are in the fitness world and they look amazing, but you know, they're like jamming steroids into themselves. They smoke. They're actually very unhealthy guys, but they look mint. At what point do you think, you know, it goes from, because it's weird. Everyone looks at these people and they look amazing and everyone goes, oh, I want to look like that. But as you said, you're so dehydrated, you're hungry. Like it's actually not realistic in any way. At what point do you think it kind of becomes obsessive? Um, yeah, obsessive and unhealthy. and unhealthy. Yeah. Yeah. So I think like my Instagram name is Fit for Life and my Facebook page and all of that. And the idea of that is about being fit for life, like mentally and physically. Yeah. So obviously, I didn't start at all to change how I looked. I just wanted to feel really good. And I think people think that the epitome of uh, hopefully now it's changing slowly as people speak about it. I think people see competitors or they see someone that's fit on a magazine with abs as the epitome of being health and fitness. Mm. But really, I don't think it is. Like I no. think healthy looks different for everyone and it feels different for everyone. What's healthy for me might be very different to a single mum or to you or an athlete, you know. Yeah. So I think it's really important to like pay attention to what feels good for you. Like I personally don't feel super good when I'm super lean. Like I love the challenge of getting there and I love, I love a good grind, <laughs> like love it. And the waking up early and the posing and all of that and challenging myself, but I don't stay there. Like now I would say I'm at a healthy range, but I'm up like what, six kilos from stage yeah. and I feel good. <laughs> like yeah, yeah. that's where I feel good. So if someone's looking at someone online and they want to look that certain way, I think, you want to look that way, but you don't want to do the work that's required to be there. And I mm. think it can become really obsessive and that guys get obsessed with getting bigger. And so that's when maybe if you're going to the gym, you want to get bigger and then you're not willing to wait a few years of training and consistently eating in a surplus. So you start, you know, looking into other options like steroids to help you speed things up. And for women, they're looking for quick ways to get leaner faster or they want to build muscle faster. And I think... You just have to realize that, like, what you see online is just not the epitome of health and fitness. Yeah. Like, it's very specific to want to compete, and I do it for a specific goal. And I see it as, like, I've been to Nepal, I've been to Mount Everest, but I see it as, like, for those that want to go further from where I went on Mount Everest, you want to get to, say, base camp or further up, you're not going to stay there. You want to get there, you want to put the flag down, and you want to get out. It's like, I wanted to get first place, I wanted to go pro, I did the work to get there, I got there, I got out of it. Like... And I'm healthy and I'm happy now. Like many women in particular lose their cycles. You lose libido. Guys lose libido. Um, you're hangry. Mm. You're not nice to be around. Like I've had times on prep where um, friends are going out for lunch, families going out for lunch. It would be quality time spent with loved ones. And it's midday and I just say, like, I don't think I can do it. And I fell asleep on the couch for the afternoon. Like that's wow. it. that was for my New Zealand prep, which is going back to the failure where I had had third in Australia, I was digging for that first. I wanted to do the first ever New Zealand WBFF. There's not been another one since. I committed to doing it. 
and I lost so much weight. I think like for me, honestly, like nine kilos or something. I got so, so small when Ross would hug me. I felt like he'd break me. I was tired, I was hungry, but I was pushing for that first. I came in way too lean. I ended up placing seventh. And so that to me, going from second and third in Australia to seventh in New Zealand, that Mm. to me felt like, honestly, anyone listening to this would think it sounds ridiculous, but it felt like the end of the world. When you've dieted that hard, you've worked so hard, you've given up so many other social events, um, opportunities, you're hungry. I was so nasty, not nasty to Ross, but snappy, like all the time, like he'd eat pizza in front of me and I'd like have to cover my nose. Oh, did he do it in front of me? Which is fine. Like I choose to compete. So it's my conscious decision to do that. And it's no one else's choice, but it was pretty bad that prep. Like usually I'm fine, but I was just, the smell of it was just making me so angry. I just drive past McDonald's and that gets me in the drive. (laughs) Like I'm in. But yeah, it was pretty bad. And so that for me, Honestly, that was the hardest post comp I'd ever had because not only did I work really hard for that and it's my first time ever doing two full diets, like two full shows in a year, but to then get seventh place, I was an absolute lost cause. Like I, yeah. and then I, it was the first ever show and only ever show I've had family come watch. Oh, no. So it was That's so much pressure. Yeah, yeah, I had my mum there filming up front expecting <laughs> them to be like, you know, first place or second place. it was so much pressure and it didn't go the way I wanted and then I had to go back to a room full of family and stuff for after which should have been a celebration which was not and not cry in front of them because I'm not going to cry on stage in front of everyone because it looks like poor sport so after that honestly I went to therapy (laughs) I got a therapist to help me get through like you know if you commit your a lot of time to something it doesn't go the way you want like honestly it's very hard to deal with failure and I'm someone that is so positive and stuff and to have your world spinning out and then I had to gain weight from there because I was so small even though it wasn't a lot of weight gained it felt like a lot of weight gained yeah. and so you've got that body dysmorphia side where yeah, do you have body dysmorphia uh, <laughs> I think like maybe I would probably think that a lot of people do um maybe I don't know but for competitors I think it's heightened yeah. like I right now sometimes look at myself and I think like oh like are people going to think like if I come for a podcast and do a video I'm like oh I don't want you to think like I've gained weight or like I've lost the plot you know when really I'm a healthy person if I was walking down the street no one would not that anyone should think anything of me anyway but it's not like people I'm walking down the street and people are like oh she she ate lots of food after comp no one cares what you look like really yeah I know a bodybuilder guy and he'll be in the gym he's like oh my red delts looking small. And I'm like, I don't even know what that is. Like, <laughs> it's yeah. very hyper-focused on yeah. how you look. And that is an extreme thing that I think no one needs in their life. Like, as you're getting leaner for stage, you're so fixated. Like, as you get leaner and leaner, you notice more muscles popping out. You notice you've got, like, six-pack. You notice more abs coming through. And it's so hyper-focused. Like, at the end of the day, I can get to the day I've had a full day of food, lots of water. And, like, I've still got a like full abs and it's crazy to me Mm. even now to think of that like being up and not having abs all the time it's very hard to not focus on how you look after that and I it's just a weird I guess it's a weird thing and maybe therapy helps people with that for me I just found that I needed to remember that 
how you look is just one part of you and it's not the most important part like whether I gain weight or lose weight doesn't make me a better coach it doesn't make me a better partner a better friend a better business owner like I'm still the same person whether I'm five kilos up or five kilos down and so I think when people start focusing on superficial or materialistic things that gives power and like you know if you lose the way you look you've lost a part of yourself. If you had a lot of money and that's like your soul identity and you lost the Mm. money, like who are you without that? So I just have to really focus on being more than how I look and being a good person. And then it doesn't really matter, I hope, to other people. So what what would you say to people, I think women in particular, where I think these days with social media, you know, everyone is so hyper-focused on how they look and how they present themselves. And, you know, what, what would you say I think, yeah, especially to women, because I know so many girls that get so fixated on that and they're insecure and, you know, they don't need to be because they're looking again like, you know, I've been in the social media world enough to know like, you know, I met a bunch of these like famous guys and girls and you meet them and they don't even like look like what they look like. That's funny, isn't it? Oh, like, but, in an interesting way. Yeah, but people don't, you know, if they've never been in the industry or like you where they've met all these people, you know, they, they see it. Like I was talking to Samuel Levi yesterday. He was on the podcast and we were talking about maths. And I asked him the question, I was like, well, why Why do people even watch when they know it's fake? Like, that's why I hate reality TV, because I'm just like... It's not real. It's not real. But he was literally saying, he's like, well, there's all these small towns around the world, and they think it's real. And they think everything you're saying isn't taken out of context, and they believe it for what it is. And so I think with social media, people fall into that, where they see these people, especially like bodybuilders and stuff, and they look like that all year round. But they don't know that they've taken four months of photos in that one week. That So what would you... What would you say to like your average Joe or you know your average female that's sitting there going, I'm not like these girls, but they don't understand that those girls don't even look like those girls. Yeah, that is so interesting. It's I think until you're in it or until you've met people in real life, you can't quite comprehend how different it is really yeah. because even me sometimes like I have caught myself looking on social media and looking at these women that are whatever I don't like the word influencer but they might be you know in the fashion world of influencing and they're in bikinis and things I think wait like they don't compete and they look like this how is that possible but I know from myself and looking if I flex and I pose and the lighting's right in the gym like I look different to how I look every day walking down the street like no one has like a ring light following them around or I always see those posts you put where you'll take the like, exact same photo, but you'll just pose differently. Yeah. It's crazy. Posing like. different, or if I relax my tummy out. And I've seen now, it's kind of cool to see people on social media that are showing, like, their posed photos with versus the relaxed photos and I did this years ago it's kind of like a really big thing now now, yeah yeah. but I did this years ago and it went viral and I honestly thought I remember posting it thinking oh wow if it doesn't go well I'll delete it the next day and before I knew it the next morning like lad bible shared it I was so embarrassed I know like lad bible is not the demographic I want to be on (laughs) it's terrifying uh and so of course like there's always going to be all these nasty comments online and things but I think it's really important for people to see the differences between someone in good lighting and relaxed versus flex and things like that which is why I like to do it but also who you follow online really matters like Mm. I think it's super important to check yourself and check how you're viewing people's pages if you're constantly scrolling social media looking at other women things like oh I love her car her bag her all these superficial and materialistic things and then you're comparing your life to that like how can you ever focus on all the good things in your life and how well you're doing like I've helped women lose 40 50 80 pounds 
And if they were constantly looking on social media like, oh, this, but this girl looks like that. Well, what about the fact that you've just lost 80 pounds? Like that is a phenomenal thing, Mm. but they're so caught up on looking where everyone else is instead of taking time to acknowledge where they are right now. Like everyone has such a different life path. And I do think social media is just such a highlight reel. And I've been guilty of doing it. Like I've posted photos where I'm shredded when I'm not shredded because maybe I might've thought in the past that that makes people want to work with me more as a coach. And there's that pressure of having to feel like I need to look a certain way to coach other people. But now growth and maturity of when it doesn't matter and I can post whatever I want and that is to me more inspiring than posting an unrealistic for a significant amount of people look you know like competing is just so specific that I don't even idolize it like I never want to glamorize looking a certain way I think it's how you feel is most important and I feel so much better when I'm eating enough food to like have energy to live yeah totally I just thought of a good question for you what do you think of you know, you look at like Lululemon and Victoria's Secret and all these brands now, and they have like their plus size models. What do you think of that? Because it's interesting because, you know, as much as we're talking about being, you know, your stage body probably isn't healthy. You know, there's another extreme where being massively overweight isn't good for you. What do you think about that in the sense of like, do you think it's good to be promoting that or interesting question yeah yeah so i think this is super controversial like Mm. online you've seen all these different brands popping up with different things i've seen a lot of people being really negative online but that is the joys of social media there's always this yeah there's always these keyboard warriors but i think activewear brands catering in particular activewear brands catering to people that are classed as plus size i mean to be honest i'm probably classed as plus size by some modeling standards you know like they have obviously extreme measures but for those that are on a like a larger size and brands are catering to them i think if anything it's a good thing because they're making activewear that women that might be plus sized or overweight feel comfortable wearing you know like if they don't have activewear to wear that they feel good in they're never going to go to the gym. They're never going to like go yeah, for a yeah. walk. They, I have people that come to me that are super overweight and want to lose weight, but they might not feel confident in going to the gym or being in public even. Like they have to walk in their house or I have them walking to their mailbox and back. So giving them clothes that they feel good in is always a good idea because it might make them more inclined to want to move. But I think that the world is always in two extremes. Like there's always going to be people that demonize certain foods. There's always going to be people that glamorize a shredded life. There's always going to be people on the other side that are promoting like being extremely overweight or people online that are professional like overeaters. Yeah, because it is like a glamorized thing now. Because I I look at I sit kind of perfectly in the middle where I – eat like shit quite frequently but I train a lot and you know I'm kind of I feel personally like I've got the healthy middle ground but it is funny seeing both sides you know because I look at the fitness industry and at times I think it's a bit of a farce because you know I know these people and a lot of them aren't healthy but then at the same time you look at these like very overweight people and that's glamorized and it's like I don't know I do think that there is kind of like a healthy middle ground yeah I think like you're never going to be wrong for trying to move your body more to nourish your body more to drink more water, to sleep better. Like I think that for anyone, regardless of what weight they are, could always benefit by making sure that they're like putting good foods into the body and um, drinking more water and moving. Like I just can't imagine that someone wouldn't benefit from that, you know? You feel so much better. so much better. And mentally, like so many people come to me and they'll say, I'm lacking in energy, I struggle to focus, I... Uh, I feel horrible in my own skin and regardless of what weight they are like I have been super lean and felt 
terrible. terrible and yeah. I've also been like for me say 70 kilos would probably be the max I've ever been I felt horrible then too mm. so I feel as if where I am right now is this happy medium in which I can still go out and eat with friends I'm going for an ice cream this afternoon uh, you know like all these little things one scoop or two yeah. <laughs> always two kitty, kitty, kitty <laughs> three three <laughs> yeah no like if I was dieting I'd pick a kitty cone but when I'm not I know my balance of like oh you know I'll go for two or three scoops because I can pick different flavors and I'm indecisive sometimes so it's nice but there there is that happy medium that people can get to but I can't imagine that someone that is extremely overweight I honestly can't imagine that they feel good like how can you feel good if like you said you were sitting on the couch on a lockdown and you did 82 steps and you felt horrible right like yeah I feel as if you get an increase in energy obviously by eating the right foods but by moving more like I do think if I had a choice of sleeping nine hours or say sleeping eight hours but getting an hour workout and I feel much more energized Mm. than sleeping nine hours so yeah I think it's it's definitely an interesting topic and I think at the end of the day like people just have to focus as much as they can on themselves and tune out all the noise like yeah. if you truly believe that you're happy doing what you're doing and your doctor's fine with you doing that do it but if you know that you're making choices every day that don't enable you to live a longer life then do something to change it even if it's like swapping fizzy drinks out that have calories in for like a zero calorie alternative. Yeah, I was gonna say what do you think you know obviously there's again the extremes of you could go to chicken and rice and Blah, 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 blah. But what do you think, as your average Joe, are like good things, easy things to cut out that are like terrible for you? Yeah, I think depending on the individual, certain people could benefit by, like I said, with the fizzy drinks, just swap it for a zero calorie alternative. Because zero is sweet, isn't that? Don't like all, the, all of my bodybuilder mates drink like Coke Zero. Yeah, so like there's so much. There's, oh, okay. Like I'm not a big fizzy drinker, and I personally don't believe that it would be good long term to drink a lot of it in terms of gut health. Yeah. But yeah. from a calorie point of view, like. So bio- is it truly no calorie? You know when they yeah. say. Well, apparently, like, it is next to no calories. But then that, to me, is like, oh, well, it's chemicals. But there's been so much research put out by Lane Norton. He covers it so much about how there's nothing wrong in drinking, like, zero-calorie or sugar-free drinks. And I personally love a good zero-calorie sweetener. But you know what? If someone's super overweight and they're swapping from a high sugar filled drink for a zero calorie alternative like what's worse you know like if I think if someone's trying to make an effort to change and they can swap out like a 500 calorie Starbucks for a black coffee or a cold brew that's like under 10 calories that's a great choice Mm. like I think all these small changes uh, maybe it's like swapping out nuts which can be really like easily if you have a handful of nuts it could be 400 500 calories swap it out for a piece of fruit like these one of um one of dad's because obviously we used to have like the security guards when dad was prime minister and one of them went on this like big health kick when when he was with dad (laughs) so funny I remember I was quite young but he's like oh yeah guys you know fitness it's just all about what you put in your body and you know he's giving us this big speech and he bought this like big thing of almonds, and he honestly ate the entire bag. <laughs> like so he must have eaten a hundred almonds. <laughs> and so mum was sitting there going, um, "You do realize like six is like probably the amount you're meant to eat." Yeah. And I think that's the problem is all these people do like, you know, they try do these healthy things, say like eating almonds, but then they eat thirty of them. And then that's almost worse than having the bag of chips. Yeah, or like a chocolate bar. You could yeah. easily. So I'm very big on sustainability and eating foods that you enjoy. 
whilst you know sticking within your caloric range so i'm very big on what they now call flexible dieting which i never had for previous competitions but now it's like you know what hey yes having a chocolate bar it's probably not as um nutritionally as dense as say a protein shake and a piece of fruit but if eating one chocolate bar stops you from going crazy and eating like a whole pizza in an ice cream tub at night, like by all means plan for it and do it. Like Ross, my husband has a chocolate bar every night and before trumpets got outrageously expensive, he'd have a trumpet ice cream every night. They're so good. The jelly tip one. Oh, Oh. I love chocolate and jelly tip and like just all of them. The noffy pie one slaps. Oh, I haven't tried that or the new one. Chocolate's my favorite because I love chocolate. Everything. What's your, um, do you like KFC or anything? Like what? No. Nah. What's your favorite? Like, like if you could have a cheat meal, what is it? Yeah. So with sustainability comes the way I speak about food. So I get that everyone's like, oh, cheat meal. Yeah. Um, like I always encourage people not to use those words. Of course, from a general point of view, it's fine, and I get that everyone knows what cheat meal or a treat meal is. But just for anyone listening, because I know a lot of my girls will come through to listen to this, I never use words like good, bad, treat, cheat around foods so Mm -hmm. I call it like whole foods and soul foods so So, whole foods are more nutritionally dense obviously soul foods are like mm, chocolate ice cream pizza whatever Uh, and so the reason why I don't say cheat meals is only because like it implies a feeling of like guilt like guilt like a bad thing that's a good way of looking at it yeah and so I used to fall into the trap of like oh yeah cheat meal gonna do this and it would lead to the whole weekend of like going crazy but now like my favourite treats would be I definitely love good like ice cream out like a good gelato I went to Sydney a few weeks ago and I had Gelato Messina, three, oh, night, three nights so in a row. Romantic. Oh my gosh, it's so good. Like, they have great gelato oh, in Australia. So Australia is a Bondi Beach, like Sydney area is just, everyone's out, like you said in Australia, you know, everyone's up at 5 a.m. catching the sunrise, sunrise swims. Mm. It's just a good lifestyle, whole foods, like some gelato at night, like, oh, gelato is good. And so I, good. I had pizza, the first takeaway food I've had really, oh, like a takeaway pizza since 2017 was the last time I had one. And then the other weekend at Ed Sheeran after a few drinks I had Domino's so that Did was the you? first time in wow. four years or five, how, six years how good was it out of it was pretty good it was, was really Hawaiian good. controversial but pineapple on pizza oh no we are going to oh, no. end the podcast yeah. now <laughs> bye guys she's kicked off yeah. we're not publishing it <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah delete it Robbie delete it <laughs> Yeah, so, um, you know, I'm not a big takeaway person. I truly have gone to a place in which, like, I can make foods that I love at home. Like, I love a good air fryer. Like, love oh my, my air God, fryer. The, it's everything. The other day I saw this guy and he um, he made healthy Zinger burgers. <gasps> oh, my God, I made them the other night. They were so mint. And it was, like, super healthy. Well, it wasn't until I put all the sauce. Like, so. <laughs> till I lavered yeah. it with mayonnaise. <laughs> Fake cheese. And <laughs> yeah. I feel like... Yeah, you know, takeaways are, like, fine if I am, like, if I'm traveling, I go to Chipotle in America. Oh, that's, I have that every day. day. Yeah, literally every day. Or if I'm in certain places, like, um, what is the Panda one? Panda Express. Panda Express. Because they've got broccoli and um, meats. And so I don't really get, like, the noodle and high crazy foods there. Never liked KFC. To be honest, Blenheim never had KFC until I was, like, late high school. Blenheim never had internet. (laughs) (laughs) We're we're still on dial-up. Colour TV's just come in. 
So uh, when it comes to like fast foods and things, I'm not that fussed on it. If I'm going to go out for a nice meal, like honestly on comp prep, all I'm craving is more food. It's not like I want anything extravagant. After comp, I mainly just wanted a good steak. So the steak? Day, yes, steak. Can you oh. not eat steak in the... Oh, I could, but like someone else cooking for me, going to a restaurant. Oh, yeah. Like I have to weigh everything and I don't trust yeah. restaurants. Like they cook with different stuff. And yeah. if I'm on prep, everything is to the dot. Like I will not miss a beat. It is to the point of a gram. Like I just believe if I'm going to do something, I'm doing it all the way. And when I step on that stage, it's undeniable that I gave everything I could. Because what if... You know, I stepped on stage and I got second, and this obviously has happened. And that week, actually, that I got second, I slipped up in the week. I actually ate the food a day earlier that I should have. Like in a peak uh, week, you, um, you, sorry, I'm trying to explain it in you the like most drop basic it way. Yeah, or you're supposed to have a carb up day a yeah. few days before and then tailor it back. I had my carb up day a day earlier, and so a little bit of me could have been like, oh, well, imagine if I timed my meals properly yeah, yeah. and maybe I could have been first. But I think I deserve second, and she looked amazing, so I'm okay with that. But I don't want to leave any stone unturned. So. It's buzzy you say that because I was talking to Joseph Parker. He was on the potty a couple weeks ago as well, and he was saying the same thing. You don't want to be in the fight thinking, oh, I should have practiced this more or and it's interesting you say that because it's like kind of the exact same thing. And I think I've always felt that going into like exams or business meetings or, you know, even podcasts when you've been unprepared and you're like sitting there going, oh, God. I should have done that. <laughs> yeah. I never like that should have feeling. Nah. Like I should have done this better. I, it's like it will dig at me for so long that I should have done something better. So yeah. I just try and be as best prepared for whatever I can. And that actually boxing or fighting would probably be – a similar mindset, I guess, to competing in bodybuilding because mm. it really is all on you. Like, you're the one that fights. You're the one that has to get on stage or get in a ring. Uh, so I guess, like, that, yeah, that kind of mindset is it is a champion mindset. Like, mm. I don't want to step on that stage and know that there was something else I could have done. And so going into Atlantic City, it was my sixth show. I've wanted to go pro for so many years. I It's very hard to keep believing in yourself when you keep yeah. getting told no. Like, I'm missing the mark, no matter how hard you work. And every show, it's like, I think, okay, what can I do better? How can I make this it? And it's hard to keep believing and thinking, like, this is going to be my show when I've stepped on that stage in New Zealand and then got seventh. Yeah. Thinking I might have had it in the bag or at least top five or at least top three. And so going to America... I knew I had done everything they wanted. Everything was flawless from head to toe, like custom bikini, custom gown. Hair was perfect. Makeup, everything to the dot. There was not one thing I could have done better. And I knew that when I stepped on that stage, my goal was to bring the most energy. Had a little shot of caffeine before I went out on stage. And I was like on fire. You could not have taken me off the stage. Like, yeah. Get I her off, security. Yeah, you know, excuse <laughs> no, me, and Julie, no. mate, please leave the stage. <laughs> I'm leaving. <laughs> Everyone is off. Yeah, so I was yeah up there with the highest energy. It was the best feeling. And when they announced top five, I was like, oh, no. That means if they're doing top five, how they're going to structure it is top three and then top two and then one. And so I knew once they do top five, they're going to say top three. Oh, they'll do top five, then send you all back, and then they're going to do top three, which means you're in a lineup of the top five. You've either got third, second, or first, or you didn't get any. You got top for four or five. So when wait, sorry, so how so how many were in the show to start? Like twenty something girls. So then they get then they fifteen of them off effectively. Uh, yeah, they, I think they're they're either off stage or at the very back of the stage, and then they call five forward, five forward. and then they send you to the middle of the stage. Then they're going to call third place, second place. So did place. you get called four in the five? Yeah. 
and then they sent us back. And so then, you knew you were at least top five? I knew I was top five. Okay, so then when they said third place, and obviously I've been in the position of having second before, but they said third place, and I'm like, okay, that's not me. They said second, and then at that point, I've either got first or I got fourth or fifth, and I just remember oh. honestly standing in that lineup like, please be the time oh, that so, I got first. Sorry, yeah. so the five of you are standing there, and then they just say third? Yeah. Oh, so you don't know whether you've been first, fourth, or fifth? Oh, that's horrific. It was horrible. Like, oh. as, as opposed to if they just had a lineup of 20 girls and they're like, third, second, first. Yeah, yeah. So you're waiting there. And I just remember thinking, please be the time. Like, it has to be my time. There's nothing else I could have done. Because I don't think I could have kept competing after that if it didn't go the way I wanted it to be. And then they were like, first place in Julie Mac. And like, my how do you feel just, when my mouth just dropped to the floor like other people surely look nice when they win but I've wanted this for so long like I just it finally happened and I just wanted to cry and run off stage and go say to Ross like I finally did it yeah um and awesome. yeah my mouth just dropped I didn't cover my face gracefully I just floored <laughs> to be honest like you know next time when my time comes when I compete as a pro Hopefully, you know, I'll get first and get a crown one day. That's the goal. Um, I now know to cover my face and yeah. look graceful. Graceful. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. So did you not get a crown? Uh, no. So I went pro and then the pros can compete. And there's like, they have, I guess, Oh, did kind you go pro like, after? Yeah. So I got first and then they said, oh, and new WBFF pro. So I didn't even know I had pro. Uh, I was just happy to get first. <laughs> so were you in an amateur tournament? Yeah. Yeah. And then they're like, first place. And then after I was so happy about that, they paused for a second. They're like, and new WBFF oh, Pro. Cool. And then you get a certificate and you sign it and you're part of like the pro family. Awesome. And then now I can compete around the world with the other pros and that's where you win a crown. So what's next for you, that? I just need a break. Yeah. I'm like I really want to focus on other ventures. Like I really want to work on business. I really want to do something and like TV because I had to turn down a lot for that last prep. Like I had casting last year. I got offered something and I couldn't do the show because I it would require me to be away for up to three weeks with no gym. So I I think I got asked to do the same show. It would be so cool if you yeah, were on I think yeah, yeah. You said no, like you couldn't do it. Yeah, I've been asked to do like all of them. I just, it's not really my something I does. And like you said, you don't like reality TV. Nah. Right? For me, I like a challenge and I like stepping outside my comfort zone. I had no idea what this thing was and I don't really watch this kind of stuff. But I just thought, oh, you know, it could be fun. It's a different challenge for me. So I do want to get into different areas of things just for stepping outside my comfort zone. But I do want to compete again, whether I do it this year or whether I do it next year. It depends. Like, I am natural, so it takes me time to build muscle. Unfortunately, I don't. Or not unfortunately, I'm glad with the choices that I make, but I don't have the choice of being able to compete. Do people accuse you of being on steroids? I don't think I look like it, to be know? honest. Like, I don't know. If... I find it hard to tell with girls, if I'm being honest. Uh, yeah, well, so I didn't think that in my competition that I do, it was a thing because... Do you... they drug test you? No. Oh. So it's so you be... could have been on them? I could have been. I could yeah. be, yeah. but I'm not. <laughs> Am I? Find <laughs> out next week. <laughs> yeah. um, so, like, it, it's not about, like I said, having the most muscle. It's about how you look overall. And I, one, am not into doing anything that would be detrimental to my health. Like I didn't start fitness to change how I looked. I started to be healthy. So I personally don't think that a woman needs it. And I I was determined to go pro and show a few different things. Like I wanted to do it completely natural in terms of no steroids, no Botox, no fillers, no nothing about me like no surgeries nothing I just really wanted to show for my younger self that thought women needed to take something or needed to have fake boobs and fake this and that 
to look a certain way like I was determined to show myself that I could do and I guess the next goal like would be to you know win a crown and really show that you can come from someone that knows nothing about nutrition and training to not have any surgeries to not be a super tall person and like do really well what age is it kind of like it just becomes a point where it's too physically yeah like what's the peak so I think the cool thing about this versus something like uh, I know a lot of sports people are done by mid 30s yeah, mid-30s is yeah I think like, seems to be like the yeah. cut off a lot of sports I guess because that's quite strenuous but I mean bodybuilding obviously is too but they have classes with 35 plus and 40 plus women. even in pro yeah oh cool it's oh, really so cool so it. I could keep going uh can you lose your pro card oh my god no I, I don't think like if I you got super so. dusty could that oh, no. <laughs> no thank goodness no I hope no I worked so hard Give for me that, that <laughs> you don't get it no thankfully I don't think you can lose it oh, unless you switch federations some places like uh, if I was to yeah. say I want to go because then I'm not a brand representative of it but there's no federation I've competed in other than WBFF yeah. I just love everything about it so uh, yeah I mean for me personally it's going to get to a point where I don't... I mean, to be honest, I thought I was done after this last one. I was yeah. like, how many times can I keep doing it? I feel like you got that personality. It'll just that little itch will come back. Yeah, it, yeah. Um, I think it's already started coming back, like, recently. I mean, it's only 12 weeks post-comp. It was a lot. I've enjoyed a lot of social time with friends and family more than I would have. You know, last year I did two shows. That was 32 weeks of dieting, 32 weeks out of the year, strict. Wow. So I just needed some time to time blow to, off steam. Yeah. Like, a yeah, so, but I'm already getting a bit of the itch, like, oh, when do I next do it? And when yep. can I do it? Whether it's, like, London or USA again. Like, there's a few cool pro shows. And, like, there's Las Vegas. There's Bahamas. There's so What happens, though, when you travel? Because don't you store water when you travel? Yeah, so I traveled a week before my show. So we flew oh. to New York, had my birthday week there, got to catch the NBA, NFL, oh, awesome. like, all the sports games. Got to make it worth it for Ross. So I booked, like, all the games for him uh, and, like, had a fun week. But then I had that week of being able to, like, yeah. sort stuff. But to be honest, I was so lean that my body didn't change. Like, every day I woke up looking better and better leading up to it. And it's yeah. like Christmas, you know, each day you're unraveling, like, a new level of conditioning. And by show day, I remember waking up and I took my – photos for my coach because I send photos every single morning and I just went into the room and I said to Ross I was like this is the best I've ever looked it was perfect absolutely and I mean obviously the judges thought it was right on par with what they wanted so awesome yeah so if people want to check you out or, you know, sign up as a client or anything, how, how do they go about that? Yeah, so I'm online everywhere. You can pretty much just search and Julie Mack and Julie Fit for Life. Coaching, I coach women all around the world, which is pretty cool. So I've got women in over 80 different countries and that's fitwithandjulie.com. Yep. But like I said earlier, I'm very big on sustainability and lifestyle and building habits. So I really am trying to push the idea that if you want to work with me, you need to be willing to work and you need to be willing to commit to bettering yourself and focusing on like the healthy habits. Like yeah, I'm not yeah. someone that's going to be extreme and be like, you've got to cut out all the foods you love. And yeah. if you're looking for like a quick fix to get results in one to two weeks, like I'm always honest in saying I'm not the coach for you. Like I do this out of passion, not um, someone that just wants to make a quick, quick dollar fix, or hey. someone that wants yeah. a quick fix. I think that's awesome though because there's, there's not a lot of people in the industry like that. So Yeah, I think – yeah, it just comes down to passion and liking helping people. Yeah, no, that's awesome. Well, I wish you all the best for your future with business and for all the um, all the comps coming up. Awesome. Thank and well you. done on all your success. I've really enjoyed this. So yeah. you've officially been keyed up. Thanks, guys.